You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. This is Bible teacher Nelson Walters, and today we're talking about five essential prophecies about the third temple that even most scholars don't know. Are you confused about the third temple? Well, you're not alone. Even most scholars are. And that's why we're doing this teaching today. You see, the third temple in Jerusalem is the most iconic prophecy about the coming of the end times. For most Christians, with even a limited amount of knowledge of prophecy, it is the one sign that they think will tell them that the end times have begun. I hear things like this all the time. If I don't see the third temple standing in Jerusalem, I'm not worrying about the end times. Now that might make sense if everything you've been told about the third temple is correct. But what if the scholars you follow regularly are mistaken about this? Then it could be a downright dangerous position to take. Also, what if the temple doesn't look like what you think it's going to look like? If it's not like the pictures we're showing you on the screen? How quickly can the temple be built? As you'll see, technically it could be almost overnight. And are there scriptures that hint at when in the course of the end times that the third temple is built? Can we know almost to the day? Now be sure to watch the whole video because this is not something that you want to miss and it's not something that you're hearing about anywhere else. So today our advisory staff, Sam Fulcher, Ryan Rigo, Michael Taran, Britt Ashley, and myself are putting out this teaching to help clear up what the Bible says about the five essential areas of prophecy to answer these questions we just gave you and more about a coming future temple. Now we call it the third temple and it refers to a hypothetical rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. It's the third because Solomon's temple was destroyed in 587 BC and Herod's second temple was destroyed in AD 70. And notice we said it's hypothetical. So let's start with the most fundamental question. Is there even going to be a third temple at all? This is point number one. A large number of Christian scholars say there isn't going to be a third temple or any structure calling itself a temple built on the Temple Mount because God's temple now is in the hearts of believers. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 3.16 And of course, these scholars are correct. Christians are the temple of God currently. God has no need for a temple to dwell in because he dwells among men. He dwells within men. He does not need animal sacrifices either because Jesus was the once and for all sacrifice for all. The result, according to scholar N.T. Wright, is that the earthly temple, along with the city of Jerusalem and the land of Israel, in his opinion, are no longer of any spiritual significance. Even if portions of what he just said were true, it doesn't mean that a temple won't be built, though, as the building of the third temple appears to be an integral part of Christian eschatology or end-time events, not necessarily something that's related to what we need spiritually for salvation. 
So let's start looking at this. In Ezekiel 40 through 48, the prophet was given a vision of a massive future temple with very specific dimensions. Obviously, these specific dimensions of size aren't symbolic. And if the vision is to be literally fulfilled, then the fulfillment must be future, for nothing like what is described in Ezekiel 40 through 48 has ever taken place up to this point. Most who expect a literal fulfillment of Ezekiel's temple expect it to be erected in the millennial kingdom. And that may not be a third temple. It may actually be a fourth temple. But a future temple is coming. Of that, there's no doubt. In Zechariah 6, we're also told about a future temple. We're told that the Messiah, who Zechariah calls the branch, will build a temple. And in that temple will be a crown of gold and silver. Again, this isn't speaking of something symbolic. Third, in Ezekiel's vision, he saw a man measure the future temple. In Revelation 11, the apostle John is asked to measure a future temple. He's asked to also measure the altar, and it makes references to outer courts. Now, these are things that are not symbolic at all. Where are the outer courts of your heart, after all? Or where's the altar of your heart? And this temple that John is measuring is specifically dated to exist in the final 42 months of the 70th week of Daniel, or what some call the tribulation. And speaking of Daniel, Jesus prophesied of something called the abomination of desolation in Matthew 24 and referred us to Daniel for an explanation of what this would entail. Details of this event are found in Daniel's chapter 8, 9, and 11. In Daniel 8, 11, the event includes overthrowing the prince of the host's sanctuary and that the birth offerings would be taken away. In Daniel 11, 30-31, we read that forces from the Antichrist will profane the temple and take away the burnt offerings. And in the Septuagint version of Daniel 9, 27, we read that God's sacrifice and drink offerings will be taken away and an abomination placed on the temple. So three times, Daniel refers to an existing building, a temple of some sort, during the 70th week of Daniel. This event, the abomination of desolation, is also depicted by Paul in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4, where the future Antichrist will sit in the temple of God and declare himself to be God. This is a physical thing, not a symbolic thing. No one sits in your heart. So there will be at least a third temple of some shape or some form, if not a fourth temple in the future. The evidence is just overwhelming. Spiritual point number two. Ah, but if the hearts of believers are the true temple of God at present, what does this say about the temple that will be constructed in the future in Jerusalem? Will it be blasphemous? This is a key point to Christians. This temple is really nothing but a sign, as Jesus spoke of, because the abomination of desolation will take place there. It's something Jesus instructed his followers to see, to watch for. But it's not a place of spiritual significance for us yet. It will likely be a place of significance in the future, but not yet. But initially, it is a well-meaning but mistaken effort by those in Judaism to worship God. Chaim Richman the director of a temple institute states, 
It's a mitzvah to build the temple. In other words, it's a good thing. He also said that the third temple will bring the light back into the world that left the temple when the Lord's divine presence departed in the days of Ezekiel. Moreover, he believes the temple will reconnect all of creation with one another. It is the holy temple that enables all of humanity, he said, to engage in direct dynamic relationship with God and provides the opportunity for every individual to rise to our greatest potential. Of course, what we just looked at, Daniel 8, 9, 11, Matthew 24, 2 Thessalonians 2, all help us see that another alternative reality exists for that temple. Someone else, the Antichrist, will be the one worshipped there before God is worshipped there. Jesus said his followers would worship in spirit and in truth. And not acknowledging Jesus as Messiah is denying that truth that God needs in worship. So true worship won't take place in that temple initially. If Jesus' sacrifice for sin was once for all, trusting in those animal sacrifices to remove sin will be blasphemous. So the coming third temple is not initially a holy building. It might be built on a holy site, but the building will initially be used for unholy purposes. Many Christians today, unfortunately, though, are contributing to the building of this temple. But ask yourself, should you be contributing to a place where a great sin, probably the greatest sin of the end times, the abomination of desolation, is going to take place? Do you want to participate in that? Spiritual point number three. A third super important understanding to have about the third temple is that those animal sacrifices that the Orthodox Jews are anticipating, the twice daily sacrifice of lambs that the Antichrist is one day going to take away, they take place outside of the temple so that they can begin before any temple is built. This is an incredibly important point in terms of timing for the end times. So let me repeat that. The altar of sacrifice, where the daily sacrifices that the Antichrist is going to take away, those happened outside of the temple. So they don't really require a temple to start. This impacts the timing of the last day's events a lot because both the sacrifices and the temple can be set up with almost no preparation time. The Temple Institute in Jerusalem, which is the organization preparing for temple worship, has a mobile altar that can be wheeled into place. Sacrifices can literally be started almost overnight. And if the temple is something other than the huge Solomon-like structure that we're all expecting, then that can be in place in a very short time as well. So all those pastors thinking, oh, I'll get my congregation ready for the end times when I see that temple. They're badly deceived. The sacrifices in the temple could be in operation in a matter of weeks, not a year or more, as many think. Well, how could that be? Let's see. Prophetic point number four. The temple doesn't have to be a carbon copy of Solomon's temple, a large masonry building of rocks. It can be a tent, or possibly it could even be the dome of the rock itself. It's the place, after all, that's holy, not the building as we stated before. And that place where the dome is, is on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Under the dome of the rock is the foundation stone where the Ark of the Covenant likely once stood. 
An area is carved into the stone in the exact dimensions of the art in order to hold it. Let's look at both of these options a little deeper because we may see one or the other and not that big masonry building we're thinking about. Now, both of these things depend on the issue that it's the place, not the building that's holy. God chose this place. I have consecrated this house that you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will also be there for all time. 1 Kings 9.3 This is the same place where Abraham took Isaac to sacrifice him and the same place where David purchased the threshing floor. And that is the spot where Solomon built the temple. We know that God could not have been referring to the temple because that house was obliterated just, you know, a few hundred years later. So for God to say that he was putting his name there forever says he wasn't referring to the building. He was referring to the place. The place confers holiness to the structure. The structure isn't holy on its own. So this implies a tent or a tabernacle could be what is referred to. You know, in the Bible, for hundreds of years, the tabernacle in Shiloh was the home of the Ark of the Covenant. If the third temple is a tabernacle, then like we said, it could literally be set up overnight. But a tent isn't the only option. Strangely, it could also mean that the Dome of the Rock might be that building, since it lies directly over that holy place, the foundation stone. Now, this is conjecture, but I could imagine a deal in the future that would convey the use of the dome one day a week to Muslims, one day a week to Jews, one day a week to Christians, maybe even another day for Hindus. A place for a multi-religious, one-world religion. And our minds should be open to the Antichrist sitting in one of these structures, declaring himself God, as in 2 Thessalonians 2. Not only in a structure that looks like Solomon's old temple, it's the place and the blasphemous declaration he makes that makes it the abomination, not the building. Which brings us to point five. After the temple is desecrated, it will eventually be cleansed and rededicated. This might give us some amazing insight into the timetable of the end times, more than you could ever imagine. It could let us see maybe when the third temple is built. So I know you really want to see this, so let's take a look at it. In one of the passages we spoke of earlier, Daniel 8, a mysterious number of days is mentioned in verses 13 and 14. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to the one who spoke, For how long is the vision concerning the regular burnt offering, the transgression that makes desolate, and the giving over the sanctuary and host to be trampled underfoot? And he said to me, for 2,300 evenings and mornings. Then the sanctuary will be restored to its rightful state. See, the temple is going to be restored after 2,300 sets of evening and morning sacrifices. That's when the sacrifices took place or were to have taken place if they were removed. What the angel tells us is three things that these 2,300 days entail. First, the regular burnt offerings of one lamb in the morning and one in the evening. Then second, the transgression that makes desolate, and that's the abomination. 
and then the time up until the time that the sanctuary is cleaned and rededicated. So, from the time the sacrifices start to the rededication is 2,300 days, or about 6.3 years. Now, that's pretty interesting in and of itself. But boy, wouldn't it be nice to know when that rededication happens? Well, at the end of Daniel, another mysterious set of numbers is given. And from the time that the regular burnt offering, see, there it is again, is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate, ah, there that is again, till it's set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. Daniel 12, 11 through 12. We see those same two terms, like we said, the regular burnt offering and the abomination of desolation. Can we combine these two numbers, the 2300 and the 1335 somehow? Well, maybe we can. Now, what I'm going to show you is my own theory, my speculation, but it's pretty interesting. Now, we know from Revelation 12 that the period time, times, and half a time, you know, the second half of Daniel's 70th week, from the abomination until the fall of Antichrist, is 1260 days. But Daniel here says that there are two events after that, one 30 days later, 1290 days, and one 75 days later, 1335. As you know on this channel, we believe that Armageddon is likely to happen on the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, which always takes place on Tishri 10. Now, 75 days later, the final day count of 1335 would then land on Kislev 25. Do you know what holiday that is? It's the first day of Hanukkah, the feast of the rededication of the temple. Yes, you're seeing it now, aren't you? Just like me. Is this the end of the 2300 days of Daniel 8? Let's further speculate. Let's say this was the year 2031 which is a possible year for this. Hanukkah that year begins on December 10th. 2300 days, or 6.3 years earlier, is August 24th, 2025. Yeah, I, I bet you noticed that too. That's just a year and a half away. If this calculation, of course, is correct, that happens to be the last day of Av in the Hebrew calendar. And it's something to consider. It's really something to consider because that, my friends, are, is very close. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 